Hey everybody, welcome to Hagerty's Never Stop Driving podcast. This is the pod for those who love cars and driving and are committed to keeping those precious things alive. And we're gonna bring you the latest from the car world and of course from Hagerty Media, and we're gonna bring you interviews with some of the car world's most interesting people. Now I'm your host, Larry Webster. I'm the editor-in-chief of Hagerty Media. And today I wanna talk about the market. And by that, I mean the classic car market. January is a big month in the classic car world with several huge auctions taking place. And so here to dissect what's going on and to talk about what's coming, I'm joined by seasoned automotive journalist and my producing partner on the Haggerty Drivers Club magazine, Mr. Joe Demacio. Hello, Joe. And also a veteran of the classic car market has been and done and seen it all. And he's also the publisher of the Haggerty Price Guide, Mr. Dave Kinney. Um, hi, you guys. Thank you for being here. How y'all doing? Doing well. Thank you. Staying warm. Staying warm. Joey and I are here in Michigan, freezing our tails off. Uh, Dave, I know you're in Virginia, but it's no picnic there right now either. <laughs> Not much difference. It was 14 this morning Whoa! when I got up. So, Nobody's yeah. driving in the Beltway yeah. that day. Hmm. Icicles on the F-150. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dave, I want to start off with you. January, classic car world. Is this a big month for you and for what you do? And, you know, I should back up a second. You've been buying and selling, trading studying car values for decades. Is this a big deal this month? Yeah, it is. Um, it used to be a little bit bigger. Um, January mm -hmm. was, uh, was, uh, you know, was all about the auctions around the Bear Jackson, uh, Arizona mm -hmm. auctions, but Meekum has come in with Meekum Kissimmee and kind of usurped the whole thing. So it's the entire month of January basically is auctions in, uh, in warm climates. I wonder why that chasing is. snowbirds. Yeah, I think so. I think that people like to be warm when they buy cars as opposed to cold. So I, I know I like warm when I buy cars. I like to feel warm and fuzzy. Yeah, the Meekum so. Kissimmee one is is interesting because they just they have like some 400 cars this year. and 4,000 Oh, I got that wrong. I missed a zero. Oh, my gosh. 4,000? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think of a CarMax that changes oh. their their stock, you know, two times a day for an entire 10-day period. And that would be the amount of cars there. Kissimmee has always had way more cars than Scottsdale. But this past two years, they've really gone to huge numbers. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, it's funny because, you know, they used to use M123 would be Monday. T, you know, 222 was Tuesday. They have L's. They have all these different letters because they run more wow. than a week. And so it gets very confusing because there's two Saturdays of the Meekum auction. And if somebody says, hey, I sold my car on Saturday at Meekum, you have to look up in, in two places. It's it's really confusing because there are so many cars. And, uh, you know, space on the ground there is is incredible. And, uh, I mean, they have to have a lot of room just to have cars hanging out before the sale. And then I, it's, it's an, it's an amazing, oh amazing I, operation I, I, to get I that miss, many cars I mean, I feel, done. I mean, I'm a C student, of course I'd miss it. But I mean, if you think about 4,000, um, cars, it's the first two weeks in January and, you know, relatively the Scottsdale one, like you said, is all wrapped around the Barrett Jackson auction, which is, you know, televised the whole week. The Meekum one, when did they kick that off? Was that in the last decade? This is their 25th, 25th year. 25th, again, I'm a little... 
No, I, you know, they started out slow. I mean, it was a, you know, a 200, 300 car sale in the beginning, but it just took off. And, uh, um, you know, there are an awful lot of dealers who are involved in that because there's a lot of classic car activity in, in South Florida, just like there is in Arizona, but there's much more in South Florida. I think that, uh, I, I think that I saw the, the national average of luxury cars sold was like one in eight. And in Florida, it's like one in five. So it's a, a, a big, big difference in the demographics down there. And that kind of holds true for uh, the antique and classic cars as well. There's a lot of people who are snowbirds for a long time and then wind up moving to uh, moving to Florida, just like there are for Arizona. But uh, so they bring their cars with them most that, of the time. I mean, where my head went when I heard that, that, that those people running that show, they must be exhausted. I mean, there's title clerks that will be working all the way through March, I'm sure, trying to get things, uh, you know, this paperwork to that person and this, you know, this uh, misplaced digit, you know, fixed with the state of Nebraska or something like that for a long, long time. It's like a, uh, you know, it it would be like working at a car superstore that was, you know, having a sale constantly for 10 days. Okay. So to my point, when you have 4,000 cars sold the first two weeks in January, that seems to color the rest of the year. You know, people like you that set the price and are like, you're the OG influencer, Dave, when it comes to this stuff. That's what I'm just learning, right? So th- th- <clears throat> I think maybe I'm the OG, but I'm not, not the not OG the influencer. influencer. Wait, why not yeah, the influencer? Right, exactly. He's the one so. who. Well, I, I like being a gangster with nothing else behind <laughs> it. How's that? <laughs> well, so you would look to these sales in January as sort of a. Uh, yeah. Canary, and it's not the Canary in the Bellwether. Line, but it was sort of the first indicator of like, oh, this is what 2024 is going to be. Yes or no? You know, that was what we talked about for a long, long time that, you know, how January goes, goes yeah. the year. And it's mostly held true. And I got to tell you, if uh, if it's true for this year, it's going to be a bang up year because Mecham did really well. I, you know, you can look at any part of it and say there were a lot of no sales. There were a lot of no sales. But the cars that mattered, the cars that they wanted to get done, they got them mostly all done. There's some big misses, but they had some really big hits. Joey, well. do you know what that means? If you're gonna- the cars they got done, what does he mean? Meaning the cars that made it through the sale and actually found owners, I believe. Oh, because that's what. Yeah, but uh, you know, okay. So keep in mind that the, the the first couple of days of this auction, there's a lot of. I'm going to use the word dreck, and I don't mean to really say the horrible cars because everybody likes a $900, you know, worn out Ranger for one reason, you know, something like this that. This is where they I'd be shopping, Exactly. The pickup trucks you use on the farm, you know, the, the, the Larry Webster specials, the hopeless ones that need a lot of attention. Uh, but also, you know, lots of, you know, late model Mercedes, you know, like, you know, not late model to you guys who are doing, doing new cars, but for us guys who are dealing with old cars, I'm, you know, late model means 1999 back and maybe even through 2008 or 2010, something like that. So uh, um, where you guys might think of late model as a two-year-old car, I think of it as a 20-year-old car, basically. So um, there's a lot of that stuff that goes through that doesn't have a lot of value. The $6,500 Mercedes, the Mazda for, you know, Mm -hmm. $2,200, all that sort of stuff. And they mostly sell because they're mostly no reserve. And that helps the numbers out and and keeps things moving. But, um, you know, a lot of that stuff, uh, you know, people don't, you know, the classic car world doesn't pay a lot of attention to. And then you'll see a whole row of no sales 
don't freak out when you see that. It could mean that, you know, the, the car sells afterwards. You know, uh, Mecham's very good with their bid goes on. So they have that stuff going on as well. So they, they have guys who are there post block who put the buyers together with the sellers. And that's where you find a lot of dealers will make a deal. They didn't get the 4,200 or let's, let's say the 10,500 they were asking. Somebody comes in and offers 9,500. They haggle back to, back and forth and they get it done for 10 grand with Mecham in the middle. Mecham gets, uh, makes a little bit of money, not a lot of money. And the dealer sells the car and the other individual it. buys it. So there's a lot of that going on all the time there as well. But in general, yesterday, Larry, you you asked uh, what would be the canaries in the coal mine. But um, and I looked at our Haggerty Insider Kissimmee report, and uh, as as you just said, Dave, it's more like uh, you know soaring eagles and blue skies this this year. It looks like to me from Kissimmee. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, they're all good. There was that uh, one of the examples. That I think what you're saying is the important cars that needed to sell sold and just for an example there was a uh, a uh a shelby cobra it's a 427 competition coupe one of around two dozen made it had just been redone and i think the price guide value is like 31 3.2 million and this thing sold for 4 million so and there were several like that where big high-end cars sold and they didn't just sell they sold for well above what the haggerty price guide top condition is dave do i have that right well, the most embarrassing one to me is they uh, sold a GT40 for $6.9 million. Yeah. And that pretty much doubles what we have in the in the price guide. Now, I need to drill down on this car and figure out why it sold for that much. You know, what happened? Uh, I, you know, we take everything with a grain of salt because sometimes, you know, the sales don't go through and sometimes they do. But uh, that's a lot of money for a GT40 and very, very surprising um, you know, we're talking about the, you know, the interest rates and the economy being a little mm. bit off for some of this stuff. If this is true, then we have to change that narrative. Again. So you're, you're, so you're saying we'll you, you are, you're, I, I appreciate transparency here, Dave, you know, and, and admitting when you've made a mistake and, uh, owning it as publisher of the Haggerty price guide and saying <laughs> you had undervalued what a GT 40 is worth at three or $4 million. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think uh, I think we're going to be uh, uh, pouring over the books on this one for a long, long time to see just what yeah. happened. Uh, you know, I'd love to find out who the buyer was. I'd love to find out who the seller is. I'll I'll do some some uh, you know research on that. Uh, you know, make some phone calls and try and find out a little bit more information. But that was the that was the big outlier. Well, for yeah, me. I mean, uh, Dave, rest... you're, I wasn't fair there. I'm sorry. I need to apologize to you. That I treated no. I. Hey, it's a guy. I treated it's you not poorly because I was, you were the scapegoat. But there's actually a lot of people, you know, uh, that work with you to come up. It's not just you, right? So, um, oh I mean, yeah. Maybe explain what what does a sale like this do for your for the price of the GT40? Well, Larry, I mean, what you're saying is that I pawn this off on somebody else and make somebody else take. Dave, you're just a pretty like you're just that. a pretty face in That's front of it, Dave. That's all you are. <laughs> That's executive management 101. I, what was I thinking? Uh, long story short, uh, you know, when something like this happens, we go back and we reevaluate re everything. So we'll, we'll start with, uh, you know, I know that we have a market expert, for example, a person who is involved in the GT40 oh, right. market. So we'll be talking to him. Uh, we'll also make some phone calls and see if we can find out, you know, why this car sold for that much money. And it could be that, you know, two people really wanted it. It could be, uh, you know, anything 
you know, absolutely everything is is in the realm of possibilities right now. Um, we have seen, and I'm not saying about this car, we have seen people trying to manipulate the market before, uh, especially with cars that are very, very, very low volume. Uh, in the 1980s, we saw it on a, on a, on a famous uh, Japanese car. And it was a, a small number of people who, you know, owned most of the cars and they were trying to raise the price on them. Pretty much worked actually uh, when it when it came to uh, you know was fruition. Was that the Toyota GT? But it could have well, been. Why yeah. are you hemming and hawing? Two thousand. Well, no, I, I, the two thousand GT, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we <clears throat> saw it as a matter of historical record that that uh, you know there were very few buyers and very I few see. sellers. So, um, but uh, but it happens all the time. Oh. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think that a. You know, people with a you know with a with a Celica that they see it going up, uh, they're going to want to see if they have two or three of them. They're going to want to see higher prices. So a lot of times, people will put them out there and no sell them at a high price or sell them to their buddy or whatever. Hey, it's the auction business. This happens. It's part of our world. It happens in art. It happens in real estate. It happens everywhere uh, when when you get a public to take notice of it. Nothing. Joe, unusual. are you scared of auctions? Uh, nothing like to I see here. Now. Keep walking. Keep walking. Nothing to see. Pardon. I'm sorry. I just sold my Mustang on the Haggerty auctions, the digital one. It was a very great experience. I think I, everybody was good, but these big live public auctions, I feel scared about Joe. Like, I feel. Oh, I'm, I think I'm, you really have to know what you're doing for okay, sure. Good way to put um, it. Uh, and uh, I was talking to Eddie Eckert from Haggerty Insider, our colleague, this morning, and he said there are a lot of cars that were at Kissimmee and have at other auctions this month that have been sold at auction recently in the past two to three years. So he said there's a lot of people that bought and are trying to make money. And he, and, uh, he said, so you do your research. You can pretty easily find, oh, that car just sold you know, 16 months ago at mm. such and such sale. But on that front, Dave, I was fascinated to see that um, this is a different Type, type of Mercedes than what you were referring to earlier, a Gullwing 300 SL that apparently sold at Pebble Beach last August for $1.57 million, sold for like $2 million at Kissimmee. So there's an example of somebody who did make a big return. What is the story there? Do you know? Because that was fascinating to me, partly because... Big return. We're, big return, mm-hmm. and aren't Gullwings generally more like Stable. one to $1.5 million cars? Um, well... With Gullwings, you know a lot of the a lot of the difference is the year because a lot of people prefer the early ones, uh, and there's some people who prefer the later one later ones. So it's 1954 through 1958. So um, you can make an argument for each of them, but if they were if they came from the factory with lug- luggage, I think 1958 was the only year, and I, I'm probably wrong about this that you could get factory rudge wheels on the car. So there's some other I'd have to look that up. So no no emails please. But uh, um, there's some other reasons why they sell for more. My favorite Mercedes 300 SL story, true story, happened at an Auburn auction. I'm sorry, at a uh, Arizona auction. It was an RM sale many, many years ago. Uh, the bidding went crazy for a 300 SL. And everybody was expecting, this is back when they were $900,000 cars. And I think the car sold for 1.3. Mm. And we we're all kind of, you know, walking around trying to mm. figure it out and whatever. And then I, I talked to somebody in the know. And um, the car was born on the same date that he was. Oh, and the bidder wow. 
was a tech bro, was a tech bro with lots sure. of money and he just had to have the car. It was a 1954 car and he happened to be a 1954 model himself. And so, uh, when he found out that this car, you know, started life the first day that he did, he wanted to have it. So sometimes that happens at auctions as well. Sometimes you get people in a pissing match with two people who, you know, I, I'll do anything to stop Larry Webster from buying this car because, you know, Larry doesn't deserve it and I do. And so, you know, if you have unlimited money, that can happen. And Larry can say, I have unlimited money too. I don't want him to get the car. And then the auction companies and certainly the owner of the car get happy. Challenge. So, I, you know, I've, I've pretty well seen it all because I've been yeah. to like hundreds and hundreds, probably over a thousand auctions. And, you know, there's the guy with the, his girlfriend wants the red T-bird. And so she's going to get the red T-bird. Don't tell us why. To, to uh, you know, Joe brought up a really good point. When we asked every, is there one car, you, you know, you and Raybold and the rest of the Haggard evaluation team has said that 300 SL is like its own market because if, especially yeah. in the high end, because where that car goes, the rest of the market goes. They, I think they made about a thousand of them. They're relatively stable A fair number of them come up for sale every year. So, you know, Joe brings up a really good example. One and a half million is what we thought was like the top. And so for this car to go for a third more, I mean, to me, is meaningful. Either it's just some weird anomaly, like you're saying, or the the folks are feeling really, really comfortable about spending a lot of money and spending it more, despite all these headwinds like the, you know, the inflation and the um, interest rates and things like that. What's your take on something like that? Okay, so. There are a bunch of things I, I couldn't agree more. I like to call uh, uh, the 300 SL the gold brick okay, of, yeah. the, uh, of the of the classic car world. It's worth the same on every single continent, and I'll say it again because I love saying it. If penguins could buy <laughs> 300 SLs, they'd probably sell them on uh, in Antarctica as well. Uh, long story short, though, what might have happened is the following, okay? And this is pure speculation, and please, I'm yeah. not talking about this car. There are some fake 300 SLs out oh. there, right? now. And they have made a lot of news because these cars have been replicated for various reasons, most of them bad. So there are people who have taken a serial number of a car that has not been heard from in 20 or 30 years, and they have made out of whole cloth an entire 300 SL. So here's a situation. What happens if a 300 SL shows up at an auction and there's this kind of from 1965 through night or through 2021, nobody knew about the car and it just shows up. That's a red flag for people. When you have an expert who buys the car or an expert who, you know, let's just say passes water on the car and says, this has been in my shop. I am the most important person, one of the three most important persons in the 300 SL world, I'm putting my stamp of approval on it. That could make the car worth that much more money easily. The other thing is, you know, keep in mind it's an auction. I have been to sales where people are not bidding on one particular car for whatever reason. There's something else going on. There's a football game happening. The guy who was going to buy it couldn't get a uh, couldn't get a signal through or called in too late or whatever. You know, the person, the two people that were involved in it. And sometimes people just lose interest. It might have been at the end of the sale. Everybody's going, you know, everybody's going, wait, it's six o'clock. I got dinner or, at 630. My wife's going to be pissed at me if I don't show up. I got to go. Or they just got their, you know, um, so Dave, let's be happen. real. They just got the latest issue of the Haggerty Driver club magazine and you know they just said i'm gonna i'm gonna read this instead of doing the things which by the way you get <laughs> you guys know you can uh 
you know, if you want to support us on this, the best thing you can do is join the Haggerty Drivers Club. If you go to Haggerty.com, you'll find it. You get the magazine discounts, roadside assistance, all this other great stuff. So, yeah, we don't really know why this 300 SL all of a sudden spiked up, but, you know, I think you said in the beginning, it, it, it does speak to um, a certain exuberance in the market that these headwinds that we described aren't really having an effect, right? Well, interest rates are down a little bit, not a lot. Um, you know, uh, you know, there's a, there's a number of reasons why people get excited when a new year comes around, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, I've even seen it. So, a trust fund guy who wanted to buy a very expensive car got his money on January first. And so uh, you, you just don't know. I mean, you really just don't know. And, you know, he got that $18 million coming in and he'd spent it all by <laughs> September. Who the hell knows? Uh, it, it's it, it's it's crazy world. It was also interesting, the 300 SL, which, by the way, was a 56 and it came out of Canada. It was owned by the same family for 50 years. So it had very good provenance. That'd be a big deal. Um, <clears throat> but uh, it was interesting to me that it, this sale was from Kissimmee because I don't think of Kissimmee as being a place with blue chip European collect collectibles like like the uh, 300 SL. I think of it as a muscle car, and the seven figure cars being GT40s and um, Superbirds and things of that nature. So I thought that was interesting about you know Kissimmee. Well, I, I think that Dana Meekum is trying to change that. And Clearly, I think he's, he's trying succeeding. very very hard. He's succeeding, yeah, and he's. He's putting cars into Kissimmee that, you know, three years ago would not have been there. And you're right. You're absolutely on the, on the button on that because it was a muscle car sale. It was a, mm. a you know, a, a sale. But I think Dana, since he's been in me, in um, Monterey, has seen that, you know, how do we put this nicely? It's so much easier to sell one $10 million car and make 10% of that than to sell 10, $100,000 cars or a hundred ten thousand dollar cars. So uh, I, I I agree with that that it's it's easier to sell that sort of stuff, and it really brings your numbers up, and it brings your results way high, and that gets attention, and so it's a self fulfilling type of a cycle, and and you know God love him, uh, he's so, trying to do that, and he, I think he's doing based a good on job. you know the 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 Haggerty valuation team puts out something called the Haggerty market rating. It's like basically our version of the S and P five hundred, and it's been in slowly going down. This market rating is on a scale of 100. It zoomed up in the pandemic to one of the highest numbers it's ever been. It was like at a record high. And now it's been in a slow decline where month over month, the number or the index has, has gone down for the past year. Right now it's at 66, which is still high. It suggests a very strong market, a lot of buying and selling. I'm going to use a big term. I don't really know what it means, but let's try it called liquidity. And um, so with the Haggerty market rating at 66 at the end of uh, January. And then you guys just described the first two weeks of the month that Kissimmee is super strong, right? A lot of stuff, a lot of big important things going way above what the known value is of these. So what is this telling you, Dave? What are you thinking for the year? Well, I'm involved in that. I'm one voice in the uh, the, the market, uh, you know, the market sure. list here. So uh, I, I'm going to be going up on my number. I don't, the know, market rating. I don't know who else will be. The market rating will, uh, you know, the, my my input in, into into it, and I have no idea how many people are involved. I'm going to guess there's probably 30 people involved, something like that. I'm sure my number will go up for the next month. Okay, so you're you're suggesting that I'm optimist. I'm the, optimistic. What we're learning so far is that some of these economic headwinds we've been hearing about, the economy is going to slow down, inflation is going to keep being a bother, interest rates are going to go up, and they're going to stay there. 
these things that would typically slow down buying um, are really not having any effect. Well, no, they're having an effect, but I think we might have overcompensated for the effect. We as uh, the public might have overcompensated for the effect. So I'm not just talking about the, the you know, the Haggerty sure. valuation team. I'm not just talking about people in general. I think, you know, this was the worst forecasted re recession in the history of my life. 18 months, it was coming next month. 18 solid yep. months, somebody yep. said, you know, one of the <clears throat> one of the experts out there, one of the financial experts said, get ready because this is going to be, a yeah. you know, a, a big deal and it never showed up and of course you know <laughs> hey cred to the feds uh you know they figured it out i guess um but in the meantime it, it it's been a no-show that doesn't mean it couldn't come in february so well you know, i've had my bathtub but, filled but, for like a year waiting for like the big uh the, the, the big disaster you know that's that's one of the big preps silver coins sure have water so i've been ready oh i thought i thought you were filling it with silver coins <laughs> Maybe, maybe I, was, I, you're I a didn't get that. Owner. Maybe it was all. Yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's gold chains because you own a Ferrari. So oh. yeah, that's, that's what he was doing. He was filling it with gold chains. Well, I own parts of a Ferrari, Dave. I own a I own a thing that's <laughs> potentially a Ferrari, but it's not a Ferrari. So, hey, um, you you have a 308 GT4, right? Yeah, but again, it's in pieces. Can't get the thing finished. Do you have? Do you have the original brochure for that car? Uh, I have some brochures. I don't know if it's the original, original. Oh, you better you be have nice one? to Big Papa because I just found mine. Yeah, I do. Mm. I do. You know, the holidays just passed. You and I have a history. <laughs> you didn't think, like, are you that selfish that you didn't think, like, you know what, he should have this? Is that Dave? I thought well, we were friends. <laughs> but I didn't act Larry, Larry, you like to go on road trips. Oh, and yeah. uh, Dave lives in Virginia. And you often go to the East Coast. Maybe you should just pay him a visit. Yeah. I think I think uh, Dave has a pool also. So. I know he's got nice dogs. Go, I'd like to see his dogs. Go go this summer and you might be able to go <laughs> swimming. Um, Absolutely, yeah. He does have a pool. <laughs> okay. You're right. That's a good idea. All right, sorry. Okay, so amazing, I'm amazing, right? I mean, you know, Joe, you were just saying yeah. you've been reading about recession, recession, recession. Here we are. It should be in the, in the heat of the recession and the car prices are going back up again. I, I mean, amazing. So, Dave, is this a uh, a good year to sell or a good year to buy or both? Uh, you know, if if you ask me, I'm like, uh, you know, you never ask the barber if you need a haircut uh, from the bald guy. Uh, and because the answer is always yes. And I'm afraid I'm going to give you the yes answer. Anytime you don't like your car anymore is a great time to sell it. Um, I, I, I don't think putting a good car in the marketplace right now is a bad idea. Bad cars are not selling. Uh, you know, the the era of the fixer-upper is pretty well gone. And that's because of generational shifts. Uh, most people don't have time to fix their car anymore. And sadly, most people don't have the skills to fix their car anymore, which opens a huge opportunity for crazy guys like Larry to buy, you know, uh, Ferrari disaster. pieces Dave. and trying to make them, yeah, trying to make them. It's an unmitigated again. disaster. So this is why nobody buys project cars, because you can't get anybody to work on them. Or at least I've pissed off yeah, everybody yeah. in this area they don't want to work on it i'm three years in car's been sitting in shops wow two of those years easy you're talking yeah. about your ferrari deal yeah. right disaster yeah. absolute disaster like no it'll, you'll get but it but aren't you about you know to that. have it well, painted don't get me started i mean I'm a <laughs> okay so so i'll tell you what larry uh, you know, you're going to uh, text me your uh, your home address. No, I'm I'll coming to see you, you, Dave. Okay, Joe's right. You got you, okay. Then no, it's, no, here. No, it's here. Dave, this is this is as good of an excuse for Larry to go on a 500 mile road trip as most that he uses. Hell yeah! Absol I'm not Excellent. joking. 
This is a we have great a guest room. Season. We have a guest oh, room ready for you. Yeah, it's, be great. It's, it's fine. You won't even have to pay for a hotel. You. So yeah, that's okay. Perfect. So yeah, and I'll put I'll put the brochure on top of the pillow. So, <laughs> don't you know, wrinkle it, please. <laughs> <laughs> No, I probably should go in the bed. Um, anyway, Dave, so good times again. I mean, this does, it, I, I'm happy for it. It scares me too because, you know, one of the downsides to this is we, a lot of us get priced out of the cars that we're really looking for or we're saving for. And I can just give you a recent example. And you've, you've told me this a gazillion times one cell doesn't make the market. But if, if we don't mind, let me be a little selfish here on my, my 308 GT4 example because i bought mine three years ago this month for twenty five thousand dollars it hadn't run it had sit for two years it had a little bit of bubbles in the bottom of the uh fenders you knew you were in for kind of a nut and bolt full-blown thing but the engine turned it had good compression so i was reasonably sure that would run and it did a very similar car but actually less attractive because it's a u.s car versus i have a european car just sold on bring a trailer and it was similar needed a lot of work had some bubbles things it just sold for sixty grand, which was really shocking to me. Um, and Dave's smiling because so, you all, must know something. All, what do you know that I don't know? All all that work that you did to make it better maybe wasn't needed. Oh, what do you mean? Well, I mean, you know, okay. So I get on the on the, the you're on the psychologist couch okay. now, okay? Because that's oh, what boy. this is. Maybe you spent a lot of money on something that you could have sold by just holding on to it. But wait, no, 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 no. His goal here is to enjoy this car, not to make money. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, you're doing the right thing. You see, you just have to, you know, define the questions. God, I'm just so sad now. I think maybe I'm speaking out of turn, Larry. <laughs> I but mean, I thought you were improving this car to make it better to drive. Yeah, and I to mean, look at. I'm it not a Larry. Garage. Larry wants. Larry wants his car to gr to drive. He doesn't want it to be a garage queen. And you'll get there, and it's, it'll I be would, fun. And and encouragement from people like me who are going to give you your you know the the long sought after brochure uh, will come <laughs> come to fruition, and you'll be a happy lad. I'm, I'm, I can't decide if I'm feeling better or worse. I mean, I'm <laughs> he's just jealous because Jason Camisa's. Uh, uh, Dino was in better shape. Yeah, totally. And well, no, I was just surprised at that. I mean. The, I think twenty five grand was about what the car was worth in that shape three years ago, and a very similar yeah. conditioned car, whatever you call it, four or five. What would it be in the Haggerty? It'd probably be a f well, like just above a parts car. We go one, we go one through four, and really a five is a you know is a parts car. So we don't value. Those. So it's like but a yeah, four. Yeah, but I mean, but you bought a an appreciating asset. There's no doubt about that. So you're you know you're. You the chances of your coming out have increased, you know. Uh, okay, dramatically. yeah. Independent of of my selfish uh, reasons here, I think what I was suggesting is that this is, you know, there's a lot of different signals that you you read, and and not all of them um, define the rule. But I think what we're hearing is that the market seems poised for another upswing. Is I guess what I'm suggesting. Don't know that yet. I mean, okay. So what we have coming up are are some important auctions in um, in uh, uh, yeah. Arizona. So I'm leaving on Saturday. The auctions start on Monday. Uh, so I'll be out there. Bonhams has an auction. Uh, Worldwide has an auction. Of course, Barrett Jackson has an auction as well as RM. So all of them have auctions out there. And then we can talk even more intelligently about the year. But I will say that uh, Mecham has 
you know, has has raised the bar a little bit and kind of put the gauntlet down for the other uh, auction companies. Which means well. strong results. They should be. Yeah, we'll see. I I, I just got the, uh, the Bonhams catalog yesterday looking through it. I'm looking forward to going to all the sales and, and see what happens. Um, but like I said, one sale does not a market make, one car does not a market make, and one auction does not a market make. But we're heading, we took a step in the right direction. That's the best way to describe it. 100%. So things are growing. Joe, have you ever been to Barrett-Jackson auction? Oh, yeah. You have? Yeah. In Scottsdale. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's quite a spectacle. Was it the most one of the most uh, amazing things you've ever seen? I'm still like remembering when I walked in and just you describe it for the for the audience. Well, I mean, you you somehow arrive on the uh, on the grounds, which are uh, I don't know if it's a, a state fairground or some sort of you know exposition. Westworld. West. It was actually a, originally a, like a place for uh, you know horse events. Yeah, and stuff that's like right. That. I knew it was some sort of event space, but. Um, I mean, you walk like a half mile from where whatever vehicle has brought you there, whether you've driven yourself or been driven, you by the time you get out of your vehicle, you're walking a half mile before you even get to the any part of the venue, you know. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a bit of a carnival. Uh, it's, uh, um, there's people for, of all walks of life, it seems, you know, Um there are huge tents, there are huge buildings, there are uh, trinket purveyors of every sort um, from, you know, utter, utter garbage to, you know, incredibly expensive stuff, both automotive and, and, and otherwise, you know, clothing, apparel, jewelry, furniture. I mean, the stuff. I mean, they're just, they, everybody has something to sell is there because they know that there are thousands of people there escaping the cold um, with money in their pockets, ready to buy something. And I, you know, I get the sense like, oh, I didn't get the car I wanted, but I found this custom piece of wood furniture that's in the shape of a, of a, of a, of a, of a tire or something, you know, like I, there's just stuff I've like that never see. seen a money printing machine like the Barrett Jackson auction. And what, but from the start, I was like, you have to pay to get in. You're not in free. So it's oh, like yeah. paying to get into the mall. And then you go into the yeah. first tent and there are booths and booths and booths of all this stuff from no kidding. I saw breast implants. To yeah. So you're vacation property before you, <laughs> I'm like, wait, yeah. I, and then you, I thought I was in the wrong place. I was like, wait, I'm here for the classic car auction. No, you're here. What? Amazing. And then no, you see a lot of breast and then implants. You're, when you're, in then when you're milling outside of the entrance to the actual car hall where the, where the, you know, where the auction block yeah. is, that's its own little carnival with, buyers and sellers and dealers of every description and cars being pushed around and, um, you know, idling and people making deals before and after the auction block and like every sort of character you would, you would oh, imagine yeah, yeah. that's involved. Great, with this. great people watching. I mean, I, I was like, wow, are they studying this in MBA school? Every square inch of that place is making money for whoever is doing this. And I was uh, so if you, this is capitalism yeah. 101 right here today. I see. And if you go with somebody like Dave, yeah. he'll point out like, oh, that's so and so. 
he's famous for you know what you know some deal <laughs> or be, scam Dave, you or should whatever sell tickets. You know. that would be a great way uh, walk around there with Dave. Uh, that would be pretty sweet or, or Dave would be just, like oh I'm, i've seen that car on every auction block <laughs> for the past 10 years it's a total turd but here it is again you know wait wait till my book comes out first i have to start it and then i have to like you know uh, go you know get get in the witness protection yeah. program but and, yeah i got lots of stories so then but you get in you, the your, tent and there's, you know, like the general audience in front of the auction block. And then there are these tiers, like these built up for the auction, for the, of, uh, for the car auction, you for, mean. for the actual yeah. auction. And you realize that like there's a class system inside oh. um, uh, with the tiers. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, you'll, it'll be pointed out like, well, that's like, I don't know what, how they call it, but like that's level A and that costs a hundred bucks. Well, that up there, that's a little higher, better view. That's level B, and that's two hundred bucks. And then level C, that's got the best food and the best drink. Like, you know. Well, that's the that would be the sky boxes, and there's nothing hundred about them. Yes, They're in yes. the ten, right. tens of thousands of dollars for the uh, sky Dave. boxes there. And you're right. The really amazing thing to me is, if they had another draw, you know, the auction. I don't know what percentage of money. Barrett Jackson makes off the actual yeah. auction, but I'm sure it's a pittance compared be. to the gate. And you know, I you know, they, you know, the the little things of of popcorn, the walk around things, you know, the red and white stripe, no butter, yeah. no yeah. nothing, you know, whatever. I remember maybe about six years ago I was there. Not, you know, we're not talking about the giant tub thing or anything like that. It's like one of these things. Five dollars. The the and type that was you like can wrap six your years hand ago. around it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's all the popcorn. Yeah. And uh, you know, you're basically buying what? Uh, 170 popped kernels and air and possibly some salt and that's what it Do you remember Dave because so, you, you've been I going mean, to that for a long time. Was it always this way that they had, like how did they figure out that they they could charge people to shop? They followed the NFL model. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um and just just like uh just like, you know, Taylor Swift concert tickets this this year. We all know the people who are paying six thousand dollars for you know for the access to get in there, and and that's what it's all about. They have decided that to make it you know is the they bill it as like the ultimate lifestyle experience, and that's what that's what it is. You can buy that fifty thousand dollar hot tub there. You can <laughs> you know, uh, and there are people doing medical. I mean, they're not they're not doing them there, but there are people who can enhance uh, parts of whoever yeah. you are for whatever reason and they have booths there and that's a big big draw because they have literally hundreds of thousands of people most of them are not going to be interested in that but if they can catch 10 over the course of a weekend and this is a you know a surgical procedure they they charge a hundred thousand dollars for that's a million bucks I mean, you know, think about it. That's that's new. That's great marketing. You get a million bucks worth worth of uh, income in. So, you know, God love them. They, you know, they've got uh, something for everybody. And you know, the I, I always say, go Monday and Tuesday if you can, because Thursday, Friday, and especially Saturday, the only way to describe it is it's a human car wash. You're going to be going through, you know, thousands and thousands of people to get to where you are. Um, I'm kind of concerned about COVID because that's coming back. So I'll be going on Monday and Tuesday mostly, and then I'll, I'll watch on TV a lot and then, you know, go back at the end of the week and, and get my recaps. There are a lot of people. Speaking of TV, Dave, how long have they televised this? Like 20 years or? 
easily. Yeah. Uh, it was started with Speed Vision uh, many, many years ago. Back of the Speed 90s. Because that yeah, had a lot to do with building the brand. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so funny because I'm an appraiser in real life and I would come back from, you know, from Barrett Jackson and February 3rd or whatever date it would be, I'd get a phone call from a sweet little old lady with a Camaro and she would say, I think I need to get my car appraised. Yes, ma'am. What can I help you with? Well, I saw one just like yeah. it on Barrett Jackson that sold for 130000 Now, hers is a three-speed automatic you know, with a six cylinder and this was a, a very rare Z28, you know, whatever. And you'd have to go through that whole thing, but it has the same body style. So the awareness that Barrett Jackson and then later on Meekum, uh, has brought to the classic car world is undeniable because the power of television is, is all encompassing. There are people who have never been to an auction who have watched hundreds, if not thousands of hours of Barrett Jackson. And yeah. Uh, you know, Dave, speaking to TV, I got to throw in a little nugget here in that um, Haggerty is now live on Samsung TV plus, which is in over like tens and tens of millions of homes, totally free. It's channel 1194. You flip it on and it's a, it's a rolling thing. The reason I mentioned it is uh, we're going to try and do something with the broad arrow auction in Amelia, where we do something similar. The idea is such gold, meaning you just put these auctions with some commentary on TV because to, the, the content's already getting produced. It's like basically free. And people would sit there and watch hours and hours and hours of this. Like, who knew? <laughs> like, if you told me, I would have been Broad like, Arrow being being uh, Haggerty's own yeah, that's, yeah, high-end auction exactly. company. Broad Arrow. So it, right. it's... Um, it's I brilliant. Say, I, I mean, it's so brilliant, that whole thing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Dave, oh, one question for you. There's there's tens yeah. and hundreds of millions of dollars of commerce that go on underneath those tents at Barrett-Jackson and Scottsdale. However, despite the amount of money, it, it does not have a sheen of like a luxury event, which is one of the reasons I really like it. And and maybe I'm, I don't have the my perceptions off, but I mean like um, – I mean, it it doesn't feel remotely like Pebble or anything It doesn't like that. feel like you're going to the Four yeah. Season Hotel. It really feels like you're going down to the local circle track, which is great. I like it. It's approachable and stuff like that. But yet there's just a lot of people walking around with just dollars falling out of their pockets at the same time, right? You know, I, I, here's the best way to explain it. I, you know, I know of a group of attorneys who are around the Washington area. And they have a boys weekend, which is usually about six days and they all get together and they go to Vegas and they all put in back in the day, they'd all put in $10,000 and they're 10 guys. So they, they put in a hundred thousand dollars and they would gamble together. Now, one of them might sit at the table while the other watched or whatever, and they'd come back and they'd lose a hundred thousand dollars. And this group went to Bear Jackson about, this is maybe seven years ago, eight years ago. They decided that, you know, they were all excited about it and they went to Bear Jackson and they put the $100,000 together and they bought like three cars. And two of them were cars that I wouldn't let in my garage for, you know, for, for fear it would infect my car with some sort mm -hmm. of virus or something like that. And one of them was a pretty decent car. And they had asked me to value them. And, uh, you know, this is all anonymous and you'll never know who it is or anything like that. Two of them were, were basically, you know, they paid three times more than oh, they showed up ouch. for them. And, you know, and, and I said, I said, I, I hate to give you the bad news here, but, you know, you bought a car for, let's just say, uh, you know, $28,000 that you're going to have trouble. You're going to struggle to get 10 for. And the reaction from the group was, well, we had fun. Totally. 
Yeah. They had a blast. They had a blast. And, you know, they'd gone to Vegas before and they'd come back with zero dollars. And a couple of times they'd come back with maybe $120,000, you know. But this was their fun weekend and they were using their fun money. These are not my people. I love that But, idea. you know, that's what it that's what it attracts. That attracts a, a different sort of person. Uh, you know, people go to Super Bowl. They spend, what, $10,000 for a ticket. They spend, you know, money for plane rides. They spend, you know, 1700 a night for a, a, a crap hotel room. It's cheaper than that. So as far as that goes, it's it's fun and entertainment. I'm totally going to steal that idea yeah, with a group of people. That sounds and awesome. And it's warm and sunny in yeah. January. Yeah. And then you got to exactly. drive it across the snowy Rockies to somehow make it back to Detroit in the middle of January. Even better. Two of these cars, <laughs> two of these cars never made it off to roll back under the under oh, the. Oh, that sounds really power. fun. That, yeah, so a, it is. It's like a it's a it's a it's a great view of humanity. I always find it's a great view of the country. And um, I, yes, all I just I guess I'm just expressing admiration for it. I'm a little sad. I'm not going now. I'm feeling a little remorse, but. Dave, you'll have to give us a report. I'll send photos. I'll send photos. So I, I guess, yeah. Hey, go yeah. ahead, Joe. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to ask Dave on the other end of the spectrum. Weren't you just in London for a December auction? Um, I was in London, but there was no auction. They, uh, I love going for the December auctions, but they've moved them to November and January. So uh, uh, my, my wife was expecting to go to London. So this was a uh, IRS, uh, take note, a completely personal trip that was paid for personally, not by my business mm, this year. Oh, so oh. Good to know. I yeah. But there are, uh, and I love the British sales. That's another thing. You'll never find anything like this at any British sale. There are, you know, uh, American sales come from the custom of cattle sales. Let's just be honest. They're, they mm. used to be the same people calling in America, one, uh, American sales, basically used the format for, for cattle sales. And they move them through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds at a time. And that's where the patter comes from. That's where the, hey, bet about it, you know, whatever mm -hmm. type of thing, which I'm not going to bore you with. The British sales are much more, uh, you know, uh, they're slower. Mm. Um, they're much more kind of, you know, dignified. You have more time to jump in and everything else. Um, but they're but both they're boring. The, the auctioneer is in, they, oh no, they're not. The auctioneer is in control. Go see Charlie Ross and tell me he's boring. Uh -huh. He's the, uh, uh, he's the guy, or actually the woman who does the broad arrow show. She's fantastic. Um, you know, she's just, you know, she, she will look at you and smile and say, I'm sure you can afford another $5,000, sir, which is like, you know, and, and this is how they do it. They all do that. And it's like, oh, come on, don't cheap out on me now is, you know, is what that person might be saying. And Charlie Ross saying, you know, you brought me this far, you're dumping me now, you know, that sort of thing. And it's very emotional. Okay. And so, um, every kind, every kind of, I love every kind of auction. I, I go to farm sales. I don't know if you know this, you know, when I'm driving somewhere and if I have an extra hour and a half and I see there's having a house clearance sale, I'm stopping. I'm not going to buy anything. I just want to watch. Mm -hmm. I, Dave, I, I mean, you're just a fountain of insight. I, I mean, I want to make fun of you, but I can't because I mean, I didn't know that. That was really oh, interesting. I mean, yeah, it's cattle sales. It makes sense. Well, I, I mean, yeah. we're feeling really optimistic about 2024. The outlook seems quite bright. I mean, when what I mean well, by that I'll, is when the market's I'll, strong I'll and the prices are strong, it brings more cars to the market. So there's just more interesting things to buy. For the, the buyer, it's going to cost you a little bit more. But on the other hand, you have greater choice to find what you want. And since we're not getting any younger and we're all going to die, why the hell not? Yeah, especially for me. I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm Dave Kinney and I endorse that plan. I mean, you know, I... I <laughs> 
I, I, I have... I have a limited amount of time and a maximum amount of fun I want to have. And so, uh, uh, you know, and, and that becomes, and, and that's a real part of, of the classic car world. There are a lot of people who are saying, wait a minute, I've spent no money for all this time. I haven't had any fun with this and that, and I've got all this real estate and you know, it's, it's now all mature. Why don't I sell a building and buy a car or buy, you know, sell a building and buy 10 cars. And a lot of people do that. Um, you know, it is an election year, so I will say that because a lot of people say that the economy always has an uptick for election years. I don't think that's necessarily true. But if you think your guy's going to win, maybe you want to spend money before, you know, uh, before the circus starts, uh, you know, after November, after January, when the uh, when the inauguration is, all that sort of stuff. So all this comes comes into play and it's all about uh, perception and all about where you feel you are you know, in terms of the economy for these guys. And a lot of guys, I, I think they're going to, they're going to let loose a little in 2024. Whereas in 2023, we spent the entire year saying the recession's coming, better save those bucks, better make sure that you don't spend it. So maybe uh, 2024, they're opening their pocketbook again. I get it. I mean, I, I feel like such a simpleton because, you know, to me, I'm like, well, gosh, at some point it, we saw it, right? You keep throwing money out the value becomes less, right? And that sort of happened, but everybody just ignored it. You know, like, where does that stop? I, I mean, I, I'm no economist. I don't know. But Joey, you know what I'm talking about here? I mean, you, you get what I'm saying? No, I don't, actually. Oh, I'm saying, like, <laughs> they threw out so much money. And what I mean by that, they kept printing dollars, right? Oh, At oh, some point, yeah, the, yeah. The, the dollar, the value of a dollar keeps going down. That's inflation, right? And we saw it. And... I I don't know what to think. I guess it seems like everybody just readjusted and said, well, you know, whatever, this is what things cost now and let's move on. It just is, I guess I believed all the hype that a big recession and con- con- uh, people were going to buy less. Well, the Fed, uh, what's the, who's the Fed chairman? Uh, Powell. Um, Powell, Jerome Powell. Uh, he, he might be the one person in federal government that most people can agree did a pretty good job in 2023, very carefully tweaking a little bit at a time um over the past well we got we got through without the without the expected recession so i you know the credit goes somewhere yeah. but uh, let's let's not get into that part of it but uh, um it, it, the the fact is that if it is the let the good times roll. I won't try my French and say it, you know, that way, but uh, um, it could be that that's the feeling of a lot of people mm. right now, and that'll make a big difference. You know, it only takes, you know, uh, ten guys in an auction to make a difference if they're gonna if they're gonna spread the wealth among the uh, um, among the cars there. And if we have new people coming in, um, whether they be tech bros or or lottery winners or you know people who's parents left them an inheritance and they always wanted to buy cars that's happening mm. more and more so okay. uh, so we're seeing that in the marketplace as well let's hope so anything you guys want to add did we miss anything um just to go back to Kissimmee for a minute um i also noticed in our Haggerty insider analysis that they were saying this could could effectively have been called a corvette sale because they were like oh yeah 13 percent of those four thousand cars were corvettes and 71% of the Corvettes offered sold. Um, and they, they range from a $5,000 car to a $2.5 million car. So um, mm-hmm. Corvettes are near and dear to us at Haggerty and at Haggerty Drivers Club yeah. because it's the second most uh, commonly insured car at Haggerty. It kind of it 
between it and Mustang, you know, the, they they kind of compete to year to year who's the top uh, insured car. So we follow Corvettes very closely, and um, you know, it is the everyman car for five thousand dollar car to a two point five million, and a pair of L eighty eight Corvettes were sold, which is an f- interesting thing. You know, they sold them together, two cars, and that did pretty well. So. Joe's, it sounds like a setup because I wanted to make, I wanted to point this out. C4 Corvettes are where you want to buy what? right now. Okay. Whoa, whoa, so here's, whoa, your, whoa, whoa, here's whoa. your insider tip. You want to. Dave, I got to stop C- you there. C4. Wait a second. Are, I'm going to save you from a, saying something really dumb again, Dave. Here's, here's, I'm going to be your, your, your. Uh, I'm going to be your to 96, bro. What years are we talking? That's where it's at. 84, 84 to 96. 96. Yeah. Okay. Make your case, Dave. Okay, there's a sweet spot. They're cheap, they cheap, 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 cheap. If you've always wanted a Corvette, this is the time to buy one. C5s have started moving up. So that's important to note, too. C5s are moving up. C5, 97 to 04. I own an 03, you know, full details. But uh, uh, but in the meantime, uh, I would look at a C4 for a fun car, not an investment car, a fun car, because there's a lot of money there. There's a lot of horsepower. And when people hate something for so long, then some really smart guy comes along and says, wait, the hate is over. Let's start buying these $10,000 cars that are actually really nice cars. So C5s have gone up to more like 15 to 25 versus yeah pretty, it's really hard to say because yeah. you know condition means everything and miles and all that sort of stuff but I, I see the c5s as moving a friend of mine confirmed this to me yesterday okay. uh who's a dealer and uh who did go to Kissimmee. uh he pointed out a um you know one of his cars that that he liked which was a um, uh 96 so it was a you know last year of the c4 uh the grand sport um, one of them sold here for 28.6 and it was a really nice car. I mean, from the, you know, from the looks of it, I don't have the miles on it, but it had the red interior, which is the one you want. This is the blue car with the, you know, the, the stripe across it. Good looking mm-hmm. car. Um, that's, a, you know, I mean, for that kind of money, 28 grand, 28.6, um, you know, it's affordable for a hell of a I, lot of people. I, and it's, it's a distinctive, uh, Corvette as oh well. Oh my gosh. So fascinating. I hear what you're saying. I mean, I can't really argue. I mean, the 84, Corvette was one of those landmark cars because uh, it it came after the duh, the C3, which had gotten so mediocre. You know, it really sold itself as such a cool looking body. But by the late uh, 70s, you know, the emission requirements and all that stuff had neutered it to a point it had like 160 horsepower. And you know, thankfully GM completely redesigned it, and they came out with that car yeah. in '84, and it was like the ma- the darling of the car magazines. And if I recall, there don't, was no... Don't buy an 84, yeah. buy an 85. <laughs> and if I recall, there was there was no 1983 Corvette at all because they were delayed yeah, in producing oh yeah, yeah, this yeah. C4, right? right? So then 84 yeah. was the first year. Basically, you're saying, Dave, they were still working the bugs out at the... at, at Was that still Bowling? Yeah, f- was this Bowling Green by then or is it still up? Yeah, yeah. and a friend, of, a friend of mine bought an 84 and uh, he hated the car so much that he swore off Corvettes and then he drove somebody else's 86 and he said, wait a minute, they finally got it right. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's personal. Uh, there's probably great 84s out there, but I know there were some 84s that were just... You know, they were a little closer to the engineering mules than they should have been for a production car. But, Let's just put but it that this way. is a success, Larry. We have squeezed out of Dave a tangible uh, piece <laughs> of advice by a C4 Corvette. They're readily available in all 50 states. Anybody who wants a C4 Corvette can have one. 
very soon. Well, we've we not for investment. Just we've for pointed fun. out the anomaly of this car, that generation. We just did something over the summer about it. So, Dave, we're even ahead of you. How about that? Like, all right. I think I think Joe, he's probably just following up on what we did. But you know, we wrote about the ZR1, which was another weird, a very special model with a double overhead cam V8 that came out in 1990. They've been cheap for a long time. And according to uh, over yeah. that model, they they went from that weird four speed manual transmission to a really nice six speed that kept around for a while. The downside to these cars, there's two downsides in my view. One is the ride is really quite stiff, and they did make really impressive skid pad and performance numbers. But there's a cost to that. And the second thing is they're really awkward to get in and out of. They have a deep well uh, mm-hmm. where the seat goes, a high sill. And so they're really kind of, that was one of the major things they did when they went to the next generation, the C5, which I agree. I bought one for $15,000. It was like 420 horsepower. The bargain of bargains are C5 Corvettes. And they, I think they still are. So, um, yeah, yeah, I can endorse that. I was hoping though that, you know, the Corvettes, the C7, which is the last front engine one is not doing the depreciation nosedive as all the other Corvettes, which is kind of bumming me out. No, I'd like to have but one. It is. It's such a good looking car. Beautiful car. I think. Yeah. Because the C8 went to mid engines. So it's the last front engine. Yeah. Um, well, no Dave, that's a good tip. I mean, um, I let's, let's pull a 10 grand each and let's go to Arizona and you and I'll buy it. And we'll have this great romantic trip all the way back across the country to Virginia, where you're going to give me that Ferrari brochure. I mean, I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you. Thank you. No, you remember the way Thelma Louise ended. We don't want it to happen like that. So uh, maybe not. That's but, a good uh, point, Joe. No, uh, look. Did you notice anything else? Like what else should we t- anything else before we say goodbye? Uh nothing. I mean, I mean the good- just as as we remarked earlier, uh our our friends at Haggerty Insider are saying like a lot of people who bought cars the past two or three years are thinking they can now bring them to auction and flip it and make a lot yeah, of money. Amazing. And 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 they're saying a lot of disappointed people. So it go, goes back to your standard advice, Larry, which is buy a car you love. Don't worry about making money. You're buying it to enjoy it. Of course. But obviously, there are a lot of people in this market who are buying a car in 2022, 2023, hoping to flip it in 2024 and make, you know, 10 or 20% easy. Joey, but, this is what I, I tell people to do. And, and so few do it. Just own it when you're dumb money. Right. I am dumb money. I know it. Yeah. Like Dave has been doing this for decades and decades and decades since he was in diapers. He's smart money. I'm dumb money. That's okay. But I have fun. Well, you're also you know, a version of Dave's attorney friends. Like you, yeah. you, you say, I have this pool of money. I'm going to spend it on cars and I'm going to have fun with them. And I might lose a little here. Or I might gain a little there, but you're not, you know, that's a different philosophy than from people who are in it purely to make money. hundred percent. Yeah, I would. I would say that uh, you know, and your point's very well taken, Joe. Is, uh, um, and also Larry, um, buy what you buy what yeah. you love, buy what you enjoy. If you're not loving it, if you're not enjoying it, get out of it. Just get rid of it. Take a loss. It's okay. I, you know, my F one fifty, which is sitting right in front of me on one story below in my office, I can hear it depreciate yeah. like every single day when I'm here. I, I you know, I drive it here. I, I've lost fifteen dollars. I've lost twenty dollars. I've lost thirty dollars. It's okay. I'm okay with that. It's it's fine. 
And, you know, not every car I buy makes money. That's for damn sure. I buy them for passion and sometimes I buy them to make money. And uh, the funny thing is the cars I buy for passion usually do better than the cars I buy to make money. So there you go. There you go. Hey, uh, super interesting. I'm super surprised. You know, if, if a year ago we had said we'd be in this sort of like, I feel like we're right on the cusp of another like 1920s era exuberance and uh, the, the handcuffs are off. Doesn't make sense to me, but here we are. Amazing. Um, so thank you both for your sort of insight and viewpoints. Um, so last call, Dave, and then Joe, I'll give you the last word before we say goodbye. Anything, Dave? Uh, I would say that, uh, you know, don't count the classics out. We had a Tucker sell here uh, this weekend for uh, one oh million eight seventy. Um, you know, it's a, it's a post-war car, so it's not really right. a classic, but, uh, uh, even the stuff that you might think might not appeal to the next generation sometimes does. So don't, uh, oh. you know, if you, if you hear the platitudes about this, take it with a grain of salt always. That's it. My last word is that Dave just made the distinction about what a classic is. It's pre-war versus post-war. And we'll have to have that discussion another time. Sounds good. Okay. I, I I'm just going to. I, I got to mention one thing that that Tucker thing was really interesting because just a couple of days ago in the Wall Street Journal, the brand Gucci has said what 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 I heard when you said this Tucker sold like wow there's a lot of older people that we was expected they would leave the market are still spending. I don't know how many people under seventy really care about a Tucker. I'm assuming okay it could be a total jerk, but just in the Wall Street Journal, Gucci has said. You know what? Yeah, we're supposed to chase 18 to 34-year-olds, but actually the people who are over 50 have all the money. So now we're going to go and advertise. I see you guys nodding. It's obvious, right? I mean, duh. And yeah. so sort of everybody's Listen, coming back to that. Like, oh, this is where the money is. That's where we got to get to. As the official baby boomer in the group, no baby boomer I've ever known ever expected to die. <laughs> the generation above us, the greatest generation, they, knew they all made plans oh. to die. We, and I'm I'm proudly a member, we have no expectation we're going to die. So we're going to keep spending to the end. And that's a big, big thing. There's a lot of, we didn't grow a lot up of years ahead for that. Yeah, yeah. We, did, we didn't grow up in a, in a depression. Uh, so we don't have that mentality like our parents or my parents did. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, it's about time somebody realized that I love that Cadillac has been marketing to 20 year olds <laughs> for the last 20 years. No, 20 years, no, 20 year olds going to buy your car. They want a BMW. They want a Lexus. They don't want a Cadillac. But guess what? If you turned it to people 50, 60 and 70 years old, you'd sell a hell of a lot. Well, more this Cadillacs. is this is I mean, Joe and I have seen this for decades. The, 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 the thinking was you market to 17 year olds, but you sell to 45 year olds. And they didn't want to be told you're buying an old person's car. You know, the poster child for this, Joe, back me up or correct me if I'm wrong, was the Honda Element, right? They sort of said you're mm, making it for yeah, kids, yeah. but no, who's 18 that's buying a new car, right? They're buying used cars. The Honda Element was, yeah, the Honda Element, which was that kind of cube-shaped uh, van from uh, the aughts, was uh, designed and marketed to, you know, 24-year-olds who go mountain biking. But in fact, it was bought by their grandparents who used it to haul their dogs to the park. Um, PT Cruisers. Did anybody oh, under 50 no, buy a PT design, Cruiser in yeah. the day? That, no was, a, that, that was, was retro design, play, though. though. Yeah. That was a nostalgia play. Whereas yeah. that element was yeah. directly like, this is for young, you know, Good athletic, 
mountain bikers, urban dwellers, but no, it was bought by their parents and oh, grandparents. You, you mean people like me, young, athletic, <laughs> you know, they, they, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's, it's my market. Yeah, man, you didn't know it. Joe Dave's a rock climber. You should see him scamp up those walls. He does it like 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm barely a stair climber at this point, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, really interesting. Uh, Dave, have a great, have a great time. And, uh, Scottsdale. Yeah, Dave, stay safe. Uh, thank you, Joe. Thank you for being here. Love talking to you always. Thank you, Joey. Okay, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on Never Stop Driving.